1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're only going to look at one verse. And it is probably the second, only because of, of the number of letters in the words, second shortest verse in the whole Bible. The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. The second shortest verse is the one we're going to read this morning. So let's all stand together. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, let them look on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. Let's read it out loud together in unison. We'll read it twice through because it's so short. Okay, ready? Here we go. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice evermore. One more time. Rejoice evermore. One more time. Rejoice evermore. How many of you have a problem memorizing scripture? Honestly, really. Raise your hand. I do. It's, it's tough for me. All right. You just memorized 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Tell me what it says without even looking at it. Rejoice evermore. Good. You memorized it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the joy that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've told us that you want us as believers to rejoice evermore. Lord, there ought to be a joy that only the Lord Jesus Christ can give that should be down deep in our hearts that we exercise every single day that you allow us to breathe the, the air that you give us. Father, we're so thankful this morning for the salvation that we can have in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and caring for us. And most of all, dying on Calvary's cross, taking our sins. You did not do a single wrong thing. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't sin. You didn't even think about sinning. And yet, you took upon all of my sin, all of our sin, the sins of the whole world. And Lord, uh, three days and three nights later, after you died, you rose again from the grave and you gave us the victory of death and over death over hell over the grave and over sin thank you lord so much for that we pray that your blessings upon this this time together in your word a very very short verse but one that takes a lifetime to master and god help us to to see the importance of rejoicing in our christian life today for it's in Jesus name that we pray and all God's people said amen, amen. you may be seated the Bible says rejoice evermore now what is the source of our of our rejoicing well it's not in things it's not in material things it's not in circumstances although there may be circumstances and things and even people that you do rejoice in and we'll talk about that in a little bit but the source of our joy is the Lord Jesus Christ we can have joy because of him. Uh, in fact, the, uh, there's, a, there's a little acronym for the word joy, and that, that would be J-O-Y. J stands for Jesus. O stands for others, and the last one stands for yourself. And uh, uh, if you keep them in that, in that order, you'll have the proper, proper kind of joy, because our joy is in Jesus. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, Psalm 37. Psalm 37. I don't know if this was the very first promise that I ever latched on to right after I got saved, but it's the first one that I remember latching on to. 
And in Psalm 37, look down in verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. The thing that we're supposed to delight in is God. We're not to delight in our desires, in the desires of our heart. We're supposed to delight in God. And if we delight in God, the Bible says he'll give thee the desires of thy heart. Have you, how many of you have ever gotten a desire of your heart from God, but you never remember praying for that desire? Have you ever had that happen? You didn't pray for it, but you got it. You know why you got it? Because at one point or another, you delighted yourself in God. And this promise came true in your life. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. Uh, in the, the early, first early years of my Christian life, I, I, I looked back, and uh, God put me on a fast track after I got saved. I got saved, and for, uh, although, although for the first six months I didn't really do much for God, after that six months, I got plugged into a local Bible-believing Baptist church in Rochester. And uh, once that took place, I, really my Christian life took off like a shot. And uh, one of the things that I would, I would recommend to you, if you want to grow in your Christian life, and I don't say this because I'm the pastor of Freedom Baptist Church, I'm just telling you what I've seen, what I've experienced myself. If you want to grow in the Christian life, Come to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whenever there is something special come to it, when there's special meetings come to it, when there's visitation come to it, every time the doors are open and you've got an opportunity, get involved, get involved, because that'll help, that'll help you grow. And I did that the first year of my, my Christian life, and, and the result of that was, was very rapid growth. But there, there are just some basic lessons that I learned in the first, oh, probably two or three years of, of being saved. And one of the lessons I learned uh, was, was how to start my day and what kind, of, what kind of attitude. Now, I'm not a morning person, and I'm not a person that jumps out of bed singing, okay? I'm just not. But, but uh, I'm not necessarily a grumpy person. I'm just kind of quiet and somber. But uh, in, the, in the first, I, I guess it was three years of my Christian life, I saw uh, two examples of how a Christian can start their day. One example was when I went to Bible college. And you, you talk about having your eyes opened. Um, I, there, there was 15 years between my brother and I, and it was just him and I. I have, a, I have a sister, I had a sister, but she was my stepsister. So basically it was just my brother and I in the house, and so he, because of the, the, the huge disparity between our ages, he had his own room and I had my own room. So I never had a roommate my entire life till I went to Bible college. And uh, the Lord uh, knew that uh, I needed to have some things worked on in my life. So he gave me some unusual roommates over the, over the two years that I had roommates. But my first year, I had a, a fella by the name of Mike, who was my roommate. And uh, he had, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had gotten in there first, and so he got the top bunk. And uh, so I had to, had to have the, the bottom bunk. So I, I took it. 
And um, he had a ritual that he went through after being in college for, oh, I don't know, maybe a month or so. He developed a ritual. And the ritual was simply this. In the morning, he would wake up. And I would find myself waking up because the alarm went off, so we both awoke. This guy uh, had uh, very, very greasy skin. He had very, very greasy hair, black hair. It was kind of stringy. And he had pimples all over his face. And on top of it, bless his heart, Mike was cross-eyed. So he, one eye would go this way and the other eye would go this way. When he had his glasses on, he would uh, you know, he'd be looking through Coke bottle bottoms. But, uh, but in the morning, and, and I'm telling you, every morning, this is what I woke up to. He would wake up and he would take his head and he would lean it, you know, drape it over the bed and look down at me. Well, when he did that, all the blood rushed to his head. The, his, his skin turned red and the pimples started to pop out, okay? And that black stringy hair just went straight down. He looked at me, and this is how he greeted me every single morning in my freshman year of college. Puke, Dunbar, another day. And that's how we started our day in Bible college. <laughs> Puke, Dunbar, another day. And uh, I, I told that story years ago when I preached at a, at a, uh, uh, at a chapel at Fairhaven Baptist College. And to this day, when I see some of those people that were in that chapel, they look at me and say, puked on bar another day. They don't even say hello. They just say puked on bar another day. And uh, so that's how I woke up. Well, that's, I don't think that's how you want to start your day. But that's how Mike started his day every day. And he was that kind of guy. He really was. He was kind of a negative character. Well, then that next summer, I... Uh, I was uh, doing some things around the church and working at church, and uh, I had to go get something from the preacher's house early one morning. It was like 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so myself and another fellow went to the door. We knocked on the door. And uh, uh, again, it was 7 o'clock. It was fairly early, and uh, the preacher's wife came to the door and uh, uh, she, was, she was wrapped up in a bathrobe, and uh, I told, we told her what we needed, and she went to go get it. While she, while she was gone, all of a sudden, somewhere down the hallway, I heard, Glory to God! Hallelujah! Praise Jesus! And it was the preacher. And, and he wasn't doing it to show off on, for anybody. That's just the way he started his day. So it was funny because he was a morning person. His wife, however, was not a morning person. And she came back. I believe it was a key for the, for the big red truck that we were driving. And uh, she came back. She, she handed the key to us. And I just looked at, I just looked at her and said, ma'am, does he do that a lot? And she just looked at me totally disgusted. And she said, every single morning <laughs> now you know what that is a good illustration of the kind of attitude you and i can have in life we can either have a praise the lord rejoicing attitude or we could have a puke dunbar another day <laughs> attitude and honestly i've had both of them 
But which would you rather be around? Well, I'd rather be around the rejoicer. Uh, which person do you think gets the most out of life? Well, I think it's the one who's praising God. And not only that, but which person do you think God's going to bless and smile upon? And it's going to be the one who rejoices in, in him. In fact, the Bible tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. That tells me that if I have lots of joy, I have lots of strength. If I have little joy, I have little strength. In the book of Proverbs, it says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And in other words, it, it'll be helpful rather than harmful to others. Um, this last week, we, uh, we had the privilege of having meetings. We had, we had a beast feast on on Saturday, and uh, then we had Brother King on uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Uh, let me ask you something. How many of you enjoy Brother King? Let me see your hands. You know why you enjoy Brother King? Because he's a happy guy. Uh, he is a, a joyful person. Uh, he is uh, one that tries to look on the positive side of life rather than the negative side of life. Now, Every time we've had him, uh, I have learned some things about his life that I did not know. I learned some things this time. You know what I found? I found that not everything has been a bowl of cherries for him. Not everything has been a blessing. Uh, God has taken it and turned it into a blessing, but uh, been some, some tough times. He's had some real adversities in life. But if you were to talk to him and you were to just spend some time with him, I, it's, it's funny. We, uh, we've been putting him up at the Holiday Inn for, I don't know, quite a few years now. And so he knows the staff. He knows some of the people that are, that are constantly there. And uh, we, we went to breakfast there uh, on uh, Saturday morning. And I, he told me, you know, I said, well, let's, let's meet together at certain time. I think it was 8.30. So I, I walked in, and I didn't see him right away. And so I sat down, and uh, I texted him and said, well, I, I said, I'm here. And he says, so am I. He says, I'm visiting. And I looked over, and he's sitting at the table with this couple. Well, this is a couple that lives here in Auburn. And uh, evidently, every weekend, they go to the Holiday Inn for breakfast. They've been doing it for years. He got to meet him about two, three years ago, and uh, hasn't, you know, hasn't, hasn't seen him. Our paths haven't crossed since, and he saw him there, and he walked over, and he reintroduced himself, and he just sat down and started talking to him. Well, uh, when, when they went to leave, they, they said goodbye and, and so forth, and, and uh, it seemed to have a big smile on their face. Uh, enjoying reacquainting themselves with him. But what he did, when, this was probably three, four years ago, he just walked up there. Now listen, if you, if you are a social recluse, let me warn you, do not spend private time in public with Brother King, okay? Just don't do it, okay? Uh, he, I remember the first time that we met that couple, he walked up, and it was a husband and wife, and uh, he looked at the woman and he says, and he said, so does your father bring you to uh, breakfast very often here? Does your father? No, it was her, it was her husband. 
And uh, she laughed, and he kind of growled a little bit, but nonetheless, uh, uh, just a, he's got a joyful spirit. Listen, folks, you might, you, might have had, you might have had or be going through a whole bunch of adverse things in your life, but you can have the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord ought to be evident to others. And there's some things that no matter what's going on in your life, there's some things that you can always rejoice in. Let me give, give you some of those things. First one is Luke chapter 10. Go to Luke 10, if you would. Matthew, Mark, Luke in your New Testament. Luke chapter 10. And verses 17 through 20. Luke 10, 17 through 20. Jesus has just uh, sent his disciples out and they have come back and they're rejoicing because of the works of God that they saw. And in verse, in verse 17 of, uh, of Luke 10, make sure I'm in the right chapter. Here we go. Luke 10, 17 it says, And the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as, as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power uh, of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding. In this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, you're saved. You can get excited about those mountaintop experiences, but those mountaintop experiences will not last. You know, we can't have special meetings every single week, and I wouldn't want to have special meetings every single week. They're exhausting. <laughs> but, but it's good to have them, and it's good to, to have those mountaintop experiences, but, but they're not going to last. What's going to last is the fact that if you are saved, you have your sins forgiven. If you are saved, you know that your home is in heaven and you're going to spend eternity there. Uh, if you're saved, you know that God is your God and your personal Lord and you have a personal relationship with him. And that's really the foundation of all joy. The foundation of joy is salvation in Jesus Christ. How do you get that salvation? Well, you just simply realize you're a sinner and you're on your way to hell. The only way you can go to heaven is by uh, turning from your sin and looking to Jesus Christ, trusting him and him alone. Your baptism can't take away one sin. Your church membership can't take away one sin. Being a good person, is, is that a good thing to do? Yes, it is, but it cannot take away sin. The only one who can take away sin is Jesus Christ. And, and uh, uh, know, knowing that and trusting that and asking him to forgive you of all your sin and give you eternal life, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the context of that thing is salvation, 
trusting him, believing on his death and his burial and his resurrection, and, and trusting him and him alone uh, for eternal life. The moment you do that, he saves your soul. I was, I was listening to a I was listening to some Christian music this morning, and I heard a, I heard a song that uh, I'd heard it before, but it had been a long time. And, and, and uh, I, I don't remember all the words, but, but one phrase stuck out. And it said, he abandoned his throne and his glory above to save a poor sinner like me. You know, I'll tell you what, if that doesn't put a smile on your face, if that doesn't put a tear in your eye, if that doesn't put joy in your heart, there is something wrong. Do you know for sure, are you absolutely positive where you sit right now without a doubt in your mind that if you died today, that you'd go to heaven? If you don't know that for sure, I've got some really bad news for you. You can't have joy. You can't have joy. Now, you can get it, and the way you get it is by trusting Christ as Savior and asking him to be your personal savior, knowing that your sins are forgiven. That's where, that's where the joy starts. That's the baseline, okay? That's where everything begins, is in salvation. There's another thing we can rejoice in. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. And these are just some basic things that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what kind of obstacles may be in your way, no matter what kind of adversity you might be facing, these things are true. Hebrews chapter 13 and verses 5 and 6 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, what he says will, will uh, uh, take place there is, is that, no, number one, uh, you'll, you'll be content. And number two, when you know that, that God will never leave you, never forsake you, you don't, you don't have to fear man. Uh, down in verse, verse 6, it says, So they may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. When you know the Lord is with you, if you know the Lord is in your presence all the time, that gives you joy. There is no place you go, there is nothing that you do, where you, if you are saved and, and, and have your sins forgiven, you take the Lord with you everywhere you go. He made a promise. He said, I'll never leave you. He said, I'll never forsake you. No matter what you may go through, no matter what you may face, no matter how you feel, you know, as, as Christians. Uh, and as a Christian, I have, not, I, I have felt lonely at times. I think everybody goes through those feelings from time to time, depending upon what you're going through. You feel lonely. But can I give you some, a, a real good encouragement this morning? You are absolutely, if you're saved, never, ever, ever alone. Because Jesus Christ is always with you because he promised to never leave you and he promised to never forsake you. Another thing we can rejoice in, go to Psalm 119. 
Psalm 119. By the way, just going back to that first thing, that salvation, don't let a day go by without rejoicing in it. Don't let a day go by without thanking God for it. Don't let a day go by without thinking about the fact that your sins are forgiven if you're saved and, and that, that heaven is your home. And someday, just like the song we sang this morning, uh, I, 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 uh, the, uh, the one that was written by Fanny Crosby, it says, uh, I, I shall know him by the prince of the nails in his hand. Um, the, the, whole, the whole thrust of that song is the first one I want to see in heaven is Jesus Christ. Now understand, the woman who wrote that song, who wrote those words, was blind. She could not wait to see her Savior face to face. Well, the truth of the matter is, you haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. None of us have seen the Savior. And one day we're going to see him face to face if we're saved. And, uh, and I look forward to that day. Psalm 119 and verse 162. Psalm 119, verse 162. The psalmist says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Uh, the Bible is great spoil. Spoil just simply means treasure. Uh, when when uh, uh, troops went in and invaded a land, uh, after they defeated the country, they went in and got the spoil. In other words, they got the treasure from the land. And the Bible says that, that, that uh, we rejoice like one that findeth great spoil. Why? Because it's great treasure. We get, to, we get to read the stories of the Bible and learn from other people's uh, things that they did right and learn from things that people did wrong. We get to... Uh, Go to the Bible and, and get a hold of promises, just like that one that we read here a little while ago. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That's not a maybe, that's a definite, and that's a promise. And there are promises like that all the way through the Bible. I had a, uh, went on a retreat uh, as a, a single college and career age young person. Uh, back just shortly after I got saved. And at that retreat, there was a fellow by the name of uh, Mel Sabaka, and he made a statement. Now, whether or not this is numerically correct or not, I'm not sure. I know there are thousands of them there, so we'll just stick with what he said. But he said, he said folks, he says, I found over 3,000 promises in the Bible that I can claim personally. That means they're not just for me. He said they're also for you. There are 3,000, over 3,000 promises in the Bible that you can personally claim. Find them. Claim them. Live them. And allow God to be a blessing in your life. That's great spoil. Um, there's directions in Scripture about how to live and how not to live. There's help in Scripture. There's principles for life. Uh, there's, there, all of those things are there and, and if we just avail ourselves of them. And uh, that's why it's so important to be in the Bible every day. Because the Bible was written to be our instruction, to be our help, to be our encouragement. And to remind us of the things that really, really matter in life. Then another thing that we can always rejoice in. We can rejoice in others. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Back to where we started here in the book of 1 Thessalonians. 
First Thessalonians chapter two. First Thessalonians chapter two and verses nineteen and twenty. First Thessalonians two verses nineteen and twenty says and and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments, am I in the right place? No, no I'm not. I didn't think that that was familiar. Where am I going? First Thessalonians. I'm in Colossians. What in the world am I doing? It's been a long week. I apologize. <laughs> uh, here we go. Okay. First, First Thessalonians chapter, chapter 2. Verse 19 and 20. Okay, last two verses. Here we go. For what is our, okay, this is it. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. You know what he's speaking to? He's speaking to a church that he invested in. He was speaking to a church that he prayed over. He was speaking to people that he had personally led to Christ. If he had not personally led them to Christ, he helped them and led them and guided them so they could find the truth. Or he personally invested in their lives so they could grow in Christ. But these folks were dear to his heart. And he said, he said that, he said, you are my glory and you are my joy. Why? Because he invested in in them. It's so important for us to invest in others, invest your time, invest your money, invest your efforts, invest your prayers, and, and, and spend time helping other people. And as they grow in Christ, and as they make decisions, uh, it gives you joy. It, it gives you refreshment. It is a blessing to you. It, it becomes your glory and your joy. It is so important for us to invest in others. I found this. I found folks that, that have a rough time rejoicing usually spend a lot of time with themselves and, and, and center around themselves and their activities. When you center around yourself, you lose joy. But when you center around others and you invest in others and you esteem others better than yourself, that's when the joy comes. And then the last thing, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And obviously there are a whole lot more things than this that we could rejoice in. We just picked five of them and, and uh, uh, looked at them this morning. But Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 20 says, Giving thanks for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Last thing that we can, we can rejoice in is all things, whether they be big things, whether it be little things, whether it be incidental things. Uh, God has, has caused things to come into our life and things to happen in our life so that we can rejoice in those things and give thanks for those things. And whether they're good or whether they're bad, you know, the Bible says that we ought to be thankful for all things. 
I was just talking with someone here just this last week and telling them about some, some adverse experiences that I had uh, in a particular situation. And, and uh, uh, I made comment to him. I said, you know, I says, even though that was, that was hard and that was rough, it taught me some things that I've been able to use in ministry. And it taught me some things that I've been able to use in my family. And it taught me some things I've just been able to use in everyday life. And so I'm not upset that that circumstance or that individual came into my life. I'm thankful for it because I can see the good that came out of it. So no matter what it is, the Bible says we ought to be thankful because God has placed everything in our life for a purpose. I was uh, just speaking with someone just, just the other day, and they, they made the comment. They said, uh, there are no accidents uh, in a Christian's life. That's true. There aren't. Uh, there is no, you know, you, you say, well, that was just my luck. No, it wasn't. It was God's providence. And God brought it into your life for a purpose. Find out what that purpose is. And then get the blessing that God wants you to get. And when you do that and you look back, you know, I, uh, one of the things, and I've told you about this, but when I was eight years old, my mom passed away. And so I, I was motherless at the age of eight. I, I, one of the things I was talking to one of my uh, nephews this week, and I told him, I said, one of the things I regret is that I didn't know my mother better than I did. But she was sick a lot, a lot in the latter years and bedridden and, and took several trips to the hospital. So I just did not have the opportunity to know her very well. But, uh, but I, I look back at that thing and, and honestly, one of the most beneficial things that happened in my life uh, as far as bringing forth some good things and some lessons and put some priorities into my life was that my mom died when I was eight years old. Now, that's a hard thing. But I can remember after I'd been, and I don't remember at what point of my Christian life this took place. I believe it was even after we were married. And uh, it dawned on me that a lot of things had happened in my life good things had happened. One of them is my salvation because my mom passed away when I was eight years old. I remember getting down on my knees and saying, Lord, thank you for that. It was an adverse thing. It was a hard thing. It was a, it was a very, very tough, difficult thing. But boy, the fruit that it brought forth. Uh, I, I've even gone so far as to say this, that in a sense, in a sense, my mom led me to Christ because her death made me think about death. And her death made me realize that I'm someday going to be accountable for my sin. And that's why, and I'd thought about it for quite, quite a while before I was ever approached, before I was ever asked the question, if you were to die today, are you absolutely positive that you go to heaven? And, and I said, no. That night, I trusted Christ as Savior. It was after a good good two-hour discussion. But, but the point is, is that from something that was adverse came something that was life-changing for me, and that's my salvation. So no matter what it is you've been through in your life, uh, all things that come into your life 
uh, are things that you can rejoice over. You can find something to praise God for. Uh, have you ever thought of this? What would the atmosphere be in our church if everybody had the amount of joy that you possess and that you exhibit on a day-by-day -day basis? What would, be, what would it be like at the place you work if everyone was as joyful as you are or lacked the joy that you lacked? What would it be like in your family if everyone responded joyfully to life like you respond joyfully or don't respond joyfully? Joy makes the difference. And by the way, joy is a choice. It's a choice. Uh, you know, we, we make comments, we make statements like, he made me mad. Or we say, well, I'm grumpy because I'm tired. I've, I've used that one a lot, I confess. Uh, I'm grumpy because I'm tired. No, I'm grumpy because I chose to be grumpy. <laughs> And, and uh, I, I'm mad because I chose to be mad. And you know what? You're joyful if you choose to be joyful. Joy is a choice. And we have lots of things to be joyful for. We can be joyful in our salvation. We can be joyful because God's always with us. We can have great joy because of the great spoil we find from his word. We can have great joy because of others. And we can find joy in all things. How's your joy this morning? Joy is a choice. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Just before we pray, I want to ask a question. And really, it's the baseline question. Do you know for sure, are you absolutely positive, that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Can you look back to a definite time in your life? And you don't have to be able to give me the date or the, the hour. But can you look back and know that there was a time, just like there was a time when you were born physically, there was a time you were born spiritually, when you realized you were a sinner on your way to hell. And the only way you could go to heaven was by trusting Jesus Christ. We're not talking about just mental knowledge. We're talking about and experientially asking him to save you and forgive you of all your sins and give you eternal life. If you know that for sure because you've been born again, I wonder if you'd just raise your hand as a testimony of that fact. Say, Pastor, here's my hand. I know I'm absolutely positive if I died today, I'd go to heaven because I've trusted him as Savior. All right, thank you. You can put your hands down. How many of you would be just as honest and you'd say, you know, I'm not, I really, I don't know that for sure. And I'd like to know. Amen. I see that hand. Good. Thank you. Put it down. Anyone else? Say, I don't know that for sure. I, please pray for me. I'd like to know that. I'd like to get that settled. It is the most important decision in anybody's life. All right. And you're here this morning and you're saved. And somewhere in the message, God spoke to your heart. And you know there needs to be a change. There needs to be a choice that you need to make. 
And just by an uplifted hand, you say, Pastor, here's my hand. God spoke to my heart. Pray for me that I'd make the right choice, that I'd make the right decision, that I'd do the right thing. All right, thank you. I see those hands. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy that only Jesus Christ can give. Thank you for the one hand that, that was raised and the person just indicated that they don't know for sure. If they died today, they go to heaven. Lord, you know what's going on in the heart. You know what the need is there, and the need is forgiveness. God, I pray that even this morning that that person would, during the invitation, come down, take my hand, and just say, Preacher, I, I need to be saved. We'll have someone take the word of God and show them how they can get that thing settled and get it taken care of before they even walk out of the building. What a blessing that would be. And then there's others that raised their hand, maybe some that didn't, and said, uh, you know, I'm struggling with some things. Pray for me. Lord, you know the needs. You know the struggles. God, remind them of all the things that we can be joyful for. Boy, number one, every day, there should not be a day go by that we don't thank you if we're saved for the salvation that you've given to us full and free in Jesus Christ. Lord, we just pray that you'd have your will and your way in this invitation. And as you speak to hearts, may they respond to you for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I'll stay